After reciting the Tashahud, Ta'awwaz in Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih the Fifth, Ayyadahullahu Ta'ala bin Asrihil Aziz stated that I will mention some accounts relating to the life of Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu. When the time of the demise of Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu drew near, he called for Hazrat Abdul Rahman bin Aw and stated, that tell me about Umar. Hazrat Abdul Rahman bin Auf replied, That O Caliph of the Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, by God, Hazrat Umar is even better than the opinion you hold about him, except for the fact that he is strict in his disposition. Upon this, Hazrat Abu Bakr stated that he is strict as he sees leniency in me. However, if he was entrusted with leadership, then he would give up many of his habits. For I have observed that when I treated someone in a rather strict manner, then he would try to reconcile me with that individual. And if I showed leniency to someone, then he would ask me to be more strict. Following this, Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu called for Hazrat Usman bin Affan and asked him about Hazrat Umar. Hazrat Usman stated that his inner state is even better than his outer state and there is none among us who is like him. Upon this, Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu said to both of these companions that do not disclose to anyone else what I have just discussed with you. Following this, Hazrat Abu Bakr stated that if I do not choose Hazrat Umar, then I will look no further than Usman and they will have the authority to govern your affairs in the best manner. He then stated that it is my desire now to move away from governing your affairs and join those who have passed away from among you. Then during the days of Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu's illness, Hazrat Talha bin Ubaidullah approached him and said, 
that you have made Hazrat Umar the Khalifa of the people, even though you can see how he treats people in your presence. But what will be the situation when he is alone and you will meet your Lord and he will question you about your people? In other words, Allah the Almighty will ask Hazrat Abu Bakr about his people. Upon this, Hazrat Abu Bakr who was lying down at the time asked to be sat up. And when he sat up and leaning against some support, Hazrat Abu Bakr stated that, Are you making me fearful of Allah? For when I will meet my Lord and he will question me, I will submit that I appointed the best among your servants as their Khalifa. Then, whilst referencing various books of history, Hazrat Muslim Ta'ala states the following in this regard that when the time of the demise of Hazrat Abu Bakr drew near, he sought counsel from the companions as to who to appoint as the Khalifa. Most companions expressed their opinion of appointing Hazrat Umar as their leader. And the only objection that some companions raised was the fact that he is rather strict in his disposition and that he might treat people in a strict manner. Upon this, Hazrat Abu Bakr stated that this strictness of his was limited to the time when he was not yet entrusted with a responsibility. However, now that a responsibility will be entrusted to him, his strictness will become balanced as well. Hence, all of the companions agreed on the Khilafat of Hazrat Umar As Hazrat Abu Bakr health had deteriorated quite a lot, he took the support of his wife Asma and went to the mosque in a state that his legs were unstable and his hands were shaking. Hazrat Abu Bakr entered the mosque and whilst addressing all of the Muslims, he stated, for many days I have continuously contemplated over this matter that if I pass away, then who shall be your Khalifa? In the end, after much contemplation and supplications in this regard, I deem it appropriate to appoint Umar as your Khalifa. As such, Umar will be your Khalifa after my demise. Upon this, all of the companions and all the people agreed to this appointment and they pledged their initiation at the hands of Hazrat Umar following the demise of Hazrat Abu Bakr Hazrat Muslim further expounds on the matter whilst answering the allegation of why there was a nomination. He states that if it is said that a Khalifa can only be appointed upon being elected by the people, then why did Hazrat Abu Bakr nominate Hazrat Umar? Then the answer is that he did not arbitrarily nominate him. Rather, it is proven that he first consulted with the other companions. And if there is a difference, it is only that the other Khulafa have been elected after the demise of the previous Khalifa, while Hazrat Umar was chosen during the lifetime of Hazrat Abu Bakr. However, he did not just stop there. In other words, Hazrat Abu Bakr did not simply deem that to be enough to simply consult a few companions 
and then announce Hazrat Umar as the Khalifa. Rather, despite his intense weakness and with the help of his wife, Hazrat Abu Bakr went to the mosque and stated to the people that, O people, after consulting the companions, I have chosen Umar to be the Khalifa after me. Do you accept his Khilafat? Upon this, everyone expressed their approval. Hence, this too was a form of election. Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu's illness and his will are further detailed in Tariq at Tabari. It is recorded that the cause for Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu's illness was that on Monday, 7th Jamadiul Awwal, he performed ablution and it was very cold on that particular day. Due to this, Hazrat Abu Bakr developed a fever which lasted for 15 days. And it was so severe that Hazrat Abu Bakr was unable to attend the prayers. And so he instructed Hazrat Umar to lead the prayers. People would come to visit him. However, his condition deteriorated day by day. At the time, Hazrat Abu Bakr was residing in the home which had been granted to him by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, which was situated right in front of Hazrat Usman bin Affan's home. And during his illness, it was Hazrat Usman anhu who tended to him the most. Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu remained ill for 15 days and someone suggested to him that it would be beneficial for him to call a physician. To this he replied that he has already seen me. Upon this people asked him what the physician had said, to which he replied that he has said, Inni af'alo ma asha'a that is, I do as I please. Then it is stated in another narration that when Hazrat Abu Bakr fell ill, people asked if they should call a physician for him, to which Hazrat Abu Bakr stated that he has already seen me and stated, Inni fa'alun lima urid. That is, I will surely do whatever I please. In other words, he meant that it was Allah the Almighty's will to summon him and thus there was no need to call a physician. On Tuesday, 22nd Jamadiul Akhir, 13 Hijri, Hazrat Abu Bakr passed away at the age of 63. His era of Khilafat spanned two years, three months and ten days. And the very last words spoken by Hazrat Abu Bakr were the words of the blessed verse of the Holy Quran Tawafani Musliman wa alhiqni bisaliheen. That is, let death come to me in a state of submission to thy will and join me to the righteous. Furthermore, the words imprinted on the ring of Hazrat Abu Bakr were Ni'mal Qadirullah. That is, how great is Allah who is all-powerful. Hazrat Aisha radiallahu relates that Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu had stated that after preparing his coffin and funeral, they should see to whether anything else remains to be done. 
all the affairs had been entrusted to Hazrat Umar but in the case there was anything left. And if there was something, then that should be also entrusted to Hazrat Umar And with regards to preparing his coffin and burial, he stated that the cloth which I have on me should be washed and use this along with other cloths in which you wrap my body. Hazrat Aisha submitted that this cloth is old and there should be a new piece of cloth to wrap the body. Upon this, Hazrat Abu Bakr stated that those who are alive have a greater right to wear new clothes than those who have passed away. He stated that it would be better if the new cloth is given to someone who is alive. Hazrat Aisha narrates that Hazrat Abu Bakr had stated as part of his will that his wife, Hazrat Asma bint Umas, would wash his body. Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu son, Hazrat Abdul Rahman, assisted his mother in this task. His body was shrouded in two cloths, one which was used to wash his body. It is also narrated that his body was shrouded in three pieces of cloth. Thereafter, his body was placed on the bed of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And this was the same bed which Hazrat Aisha radiallahu would sleep upon. And his body was taken from this same bed for his funeral. Hazrat Umar led the funeral prayer of Hazrat Abu Bakr between the grave of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and his pulpit. And he was buried beside the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, in the night, in the same enclosure. Hazrat Abu Bakr head was placed in line with the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him's shoulders. And at the time of the burial, Hazrat Umar bin al-Khattab, Hazrat Usman bin Affan, Hazrat Talha bin Ubaidullah, and Hazrat Abdul Rahman bin Abi Bakr, may Allah be pleased with them, came down into the grave and did the burial. Ibn Shahab narrates that Hazrat Umar buried Hazrat Abu Bakr at night. And Hazrat Salim bin Abdullah relates from his father that Hazrat Abu Bakr demise occurred due to his sorrow over the demise of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. This is because after the demise of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, Hazrat Abu Bakr's body continuously weakened until he passed away. Some of the historians have also reported that the cause of Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu's demise was due to eating the food which a Jewish person had poisoned. However, most of the historians have rejected this narration. Hazrat Aisha radiallahu narrates that as the time of his demise drew close, Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu inquired what day it was, and people informed him that it was a Monday. Upon this, Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu stated that if I pass away today, then do not wait till tomorrow, because that day and that night is dearer to me, which is closest to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. In other words, he wanted to be buried on that same day. Hazrat Abu Bakr stated with regards to his inheritance that after my demise, my inheritance should be distributed according to the Quranic injunctions. Likewise, according to another narration, he assigned a fifth of his wealth in his will for his relatives who were not heirs to it. Then, in relation to the wives and children of Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu it is recorded that he had four wives. The first was Qutayla bint Abdul Uzza, and there are differing views with regards to her acceptance of Islam. 
She was the mother of Hazrat Abdullah and Hazrat Asma. And Hazrat Abu Bakr who divorced her in the era of ignorance. She once went to Hazrat Asma's house in Medina. In other words, she went to her daughter's house with gifts of clarified butter and cheese. However, Hazrat Asma refused the gifts and did not let her enter her home. She then called for Hazrat Aisha anha, to ask the Holy Prophet peace be upon him in this regard. She then asked Hazrat Aisha what was the verdict of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him after her mother came in that manner bringing gifts and after she refused to let her in. Upon this, the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him instructed her to let her enter her home and also to accept her gifts. His second wife was Hazrat Ummir Roman bint Amir. She belonged to the Banu Kenana bin Khuzema tribe. Her previous husband, Haris bin Sakhbara, passed away in Mecca. Thereafter, her marriage took place with Hazrat Abu Bakr. She entered the fold of Islam in its early days and pledged her allegiance to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and also migrated to Medina. Hazrat Abdul Rahman and Hazrat Aisha anha were born to her, and she passed away in six Hijri in Medina. Upon her demise, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, came down into her grave and prayed for her forgiveness. His third wife was Hazrat Asma bint Umais bin Ma'bad bin Haris. Her title was Ummi Abdullah, and she had accepted Islam and pledged allegiance to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, even before entering Dari Arkham. She participated in the first migration and she first migrated alongside her previous husband, Hazrat Jafar bin Abi Talib, to Abyssinia and from there she migrated to Medina in 7 Hijri. After her husband was martyred in 8 Hijri during the Battle of Mota, she then married Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu. She gave birth to Muhammad bin Abi Bakr. His fourth wife was Hazrat Habiba bin Kharja bin Zaid bin Abi Zuhair. She belonged to the Khazraj branch of the Ansar. Hazrat Abu Bakr would stay with her in the neighboring area of Medina called Sunnah. She gave birth to Hazrat Abu Bakr daughter Umm Kulsum, who was born a short while after his demise. Hazrat Abu Bakr had four sons and three daughters. His first son was Hazrat Abdul Rahman bin Abi Bakr and he was the eldest son of Hazrat Abu Bakr. He accepted Islam during the Treaty of Hudaybiyah and remained firmly attached to Islam. He also had the honour of being in the presence of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and he was renowned for his bravery and courage. And after accepting Islam, he was greatly praised for his character. His second son was Hazrat Abdullah bin Abi Bakr and he played an important role in the migration of the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him to Medina. He would spend the entire day in Mecca gathering information from the Meccans and then at night he would secretly go to the cave and relay that information to the Holy Prophet peace be upon him and Hazrat Abu Bakr and then he would return in the morning to Mecca. He was struck by an arrow during the battle in Taif 
and the wounds sustained from this did not heal. And eventually, as a result of this, he attained martyrdom during the era of Hazrat Abu Bakr Khilafat. His third son was Muhammad bin Abi Bakr. He was born from Hazrat Asma bint Umas, and he was born in Zul Hulefa on the occasion of Hajjatul Vida, i.e. farewell pilgrimage. He was raised by Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala and during the era of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala khilafat, he appointed him as the governor of Egypt, and that is where he was killed. According to some narrations, his name has been mentioned among those who killed Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala and this is why he was killed, but Allah knows best. The fourth child of Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala was Hazrat Asma bint Abi Bakr. She was known by her title of Zatul Nitaqan, i.e. the one with two waist belts. She was older than Hazrat Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, and the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, gave her the title of Zatul Nitaqan, because during the migration she prepared a food container for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and her father. But upon seeing that she had nothing to tie it with, she tore her waist belt and used that to tie the container. Hence, the manner in which she prepared this food was by tying the container with the cloth from her waist belt. She was married to Hazrat Zubair bin al-Awam and she migrated to Medina whilst pregnant. And after completing the migration, she gave birth to Hazrat Abdullah bin Zubair who was the first child born after the migration. Hazrat Asma reached the age of 100 and she passed away in Makkah in 73 Hijri. The fifth child was the mother of believers, Hazrat Aisha bint Abi Bakr anha. She was the wife of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And she was the greatest scholar amongst women. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, gave her the title of Ummi Abdullah, i.e. Mother Abdullah. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had exemplary love for her. Imam Shabi says that whenever Masrook related a narration from Hazrat Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, he would say that I was told by Sadiqa bint Siddi, who is the beloved of Allah's beloved and whose exoneration was revealed by Allah. Hazrat Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha passed away at the age of 63 in 57 Hijri and according to another narration, she passed away in 58 Hijri. The sixth child was Ummi Kulsum bint Abi Bakr. She was born to Hazrat Habiba bint Kharija. And at the time of his demise, Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anha stated to Hazrat Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha you have two brothers and two sisters. Upon this, Hazrat Aisha stated that I know of my sister Asma, but who is my second sister? Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu stated that she who is in Kharija's womb. In other words, she was yet to be born and the child would be a girl. He stated that I am convinced that she will have a daughter and this is exactly what happened. Ummi Kulsum was born after the demise of Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Ummi Kulsum was married to Hazrat Talha bin Ubaidullah, who was martyred in jang jamal And according to some narrations, one of Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu's daughters was married to Hazrat Bilal. And it is also stated that this daughter was from one of his four wives' his previous husband.
Then, with regards to the system of government, it is recorded that whenever a matter came before Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu, the manner in which he governed was that if a matter needed to be deliberated upon, then Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu would consult with the people who gave sound advice. And if he needed advice from people with jurisprudential knowledge, then he would consult both the Muhajireen and the Ansar and would also call Hazrat Umar, Hazrat Usman, Hazrat Ali, Hazrat Abdul Rahman bin Auf, Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal, Hazrat Ubay bin Kaab, and Hazrat Ziyad bin Sabit. May Allah be pleased with them all. And in some cases, he would call the Muhajireen and the Ansar in greater number. Hazrat Muslim who states in the commentary of Shavirhum, I consult them. Now ponder over this word, for it is apparent that there is a single person seeking consultation, not even two, and the people being consulted are three or more. Then that person should ponder over the advice received, and thereafter is the commandment, azamta That is, and when thou art determined, then put thy trust in Allah. When one is convinced of something, then they should act upon it without any care for what anyone else says. In other words, the person seeking consultation should take the advice and analyse all aspects and then should act upon it without caring about what anyone else has to say. Hazrat Muslim Allah further writes that we find great examples of this determination in the era of Hazrat Abu Bakr When people started becoming apostates, it was suggested that he, i.e. Hazrat Abu Bakr, should hold back the army that was about to be sent under the command of Osama. However, he responded that this army was commissioned by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Hence, I cannot hold it back. The son of Abu Quhafa does not have the power to do so. He did hold back some people, such as stopping Hazrat Umar who was about to depart along with the army. Then it was said regarding the collection of zakat that in order to avoid people becoming apostates, it should be remitted. Hazrat Abu Bakr replied that had they given the Holy Prophet peace be upon him so much as the rope used to tie a camel, then I will ensure to take even that. And even if you all leave me and the wild beasts in the jungle join the apostates, then I will fight them all on my own. This was an example of determination and you know what transpired thereafter. This was the determination of Hazrat Abu Bakr and even though people had suggested differently, but what happened after that? As a result of this exemplary determination, Allah the Almighty opened the door to victories. Thus, remember that when a person fears God, then others cannot overawe them. And this is the reality of Khilafat. Then with regards to the establishment of the treasury, during the blessed era of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he would distribute any wealth received from spoils, khums, fairs, zakat, etc. And he would distribute this immediately in the presence of everyone at the mosque. 
In this way, it can be said that the Department of the Treasury existed during the time of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. However, during the era of Hazrat Abu Bakr the various conquests meant that along with income under various heads, there was an increased influx of spoils and jizya. And Hazrat Abu Bakr felt the need to establish a treasury where the wealth could be stored until it was distributed or spent. And so, after consulting with senior companions, he dedicated a home for this purpose. However, this was ultimately a treasury only in name because Hazrat Abu Bakr always strove to immediately distribute any wealth that was brought in. According to some narrations, the responsibilities of the Department of the Treasury were entrusted to Hazrat Abu Ubaidah. Initially, Hazrat Abu Bakr established the treasury in the valley of Sunnah. However, there was no guardian appointed over it. Sunnah is located in the environs of Medina and is located about two miles from the Prophet's mosque. Once someone asked him why he did not appoint anyone to guard over the treasury. To this, Hazrat Abu Bakr replied that a lock is enough for its protection. In other words, it was enough for there to be a lock because he would distribute anything that went into the treasury and it was often empty to the point that there would be nothing left inside it. Then when he moved to Medina, Hazrat Abu Bakr moved the treasury to his own home. And his practice was that any wealth which went into the treasury would be distributed to the point that it became empty. And he would give an equal share to everyone when he distributed the wealth. And it was from the same wealth that he would also purchase camels, horses and weaponry and distribute it in Allah's way. On one occasion, he bought some sheets from Bedouins and distributed them among the widows in Medina. He must have done this on multiple occasions. However, this has been recorded once in the narrations. A stipend from the treasury was stipulated for Hazrat Abu Bakr. And regarding this, it is recorded that when Hazrat Abu Bakr was elected as the Khalifa, a stipend was fixed for him from the treasury in order to fulfill his needs. Hazrat Aisha radiallahu relates, and when Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq became the Khalifa, he stated that my people know that my occupation did not hinder me from providing sustenance for my family. I had enough income to run my household with ease. However, now I have become occupied in tending to the matters of the Muslims. And so now Abu Bakr's family will be provided for from the treasury. And he, as in Abu Bakr radiallahu will take this wealth and work for the Muslims and increase it through trade. Hence, the Muslims stipulated for him the annual amount of 6,000 dirham, and some say that he only approved as much as he needed. Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu was the first leader of government whose expenditures were approved by his people. And according to one narration, it is mentioned that when Hazrat Abu Bakr became the Khalifa, one day in the morning he set out towards the market and he was carrying on his shoulders the garments he used in his business. 
Along the way, he met Hazrat Umar bin al-Khattab and Hazrat Abu Ubaidah bin al-Jarrah. They stated that, O Khalifa of the Messenger, peace be upon him, where are you going? Hazrat Abu Bakr replied that he was going to the market. Upon this they said that, Why are you doing this when you are the leader of the Muslims? Upon this, Hazrat Abu Bakr stated that, How will I feed my family? And so they took him alongside them, saying that they would assign a portion for him. Hence, an annual stipend of 3,000 dirhams was established and according to other narrations, the stipend was 6,000 dirham as mentioned earlier. And according to some, he was given a total of 6,000 dirham over the course of his Khilafat. Similarly, according to the books of history, it is almost unanimously recorded that although Hazrat Abu Bakr received a stipend from the treasury in order to fulfill his needs and those of his family, however, he returned all the amount before his demise. Hence, it is stated in one narration, that as his demise drew near, he made a will for his land to be sold and for the amount to be used in order to pay the treasury back for the amount he had used in personal expenses. And it is recorded in another narration that when Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu's demise was drawing near, he said to Hazrat Aisha anha, that since I became the Khalifa, I have not used a single dinar or dirham belonging to the nation. In fact, I would eat little and wear thick clothes. Furthermore, the following are considered spoils for Muslims, that is, servants, camels and fabric. Hence, after my passing, all of these things should be sent to Umar. Hazrat Aisha ta'ala anha relates that when Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala anha passed away, I sent those things to Hazrat Umar ta'ala anha, and upon seeing them, he began to cry to the extent that his tears fell to the ground and he said that may Allah have mercy on Abu Bakr for he has placed those after him in difficulty. When Hazrat Abu Bakr passed away, Hazrat Umar called a few companions to take stock of the treasury only to find that there was nothing there. It was completely empty as everything had been distributed. Hazrat Abu Bakr also established the Department of Arbitration. And although the Department of Arbitration had not been systematically formed during the era of Hazrat Abu Bakr, however, he had assigned the duties of this department to Hazrat Umar. It is mentioned in one narration that when Hazrat Abu Bakr became the Khalifa, Hazrat Umar said that I will serve in the courts on your behalf. Hazrat Umar waited for one year. However, no two people came to him with a dispute. No quarrels, disputes or issues would arise and so the number of cases was very low. And if ever there was a case, Hazrat Abu Bakr would take time out for it himself in order to resolve the issue. Hazrat Umar was the head of the Department of Arbitration and the following companions had been assigned to help him. Hazrat Ali, Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal, Hazrat Ubay bin Kaab, Hazrat Zaid bin Sabit and Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud. May Allah be pleased with them all. Hazrat Umar relates that there was such a state of peace, security and honesty at the time that months would pass by and no two people would come to me in order to resolve a matter. And regarding the Department of Jurisprudence, it is recorded that as new tribes and dwellings entered into the fold of Islam and in light of the circumstances, various jurisprudential matters were arising. 
And so Hazrat Abu Bakr established the Department of Jurisprudence for the ease and guidance of the general Muslim population. He appointed Hazrat Umar, Hazrat Usman, Hazrat Ali, Hazrat Abdul Rahman bin Auf, Hazrat Ubay bin Kaab, Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal, and Hazrat Zaid bin Sabit to issue edicts, because they were all distinct from others in their deep understanding, knowledge, and interpretation of the faith. And according to one narration, Hazrat Abdullah bin Masood was also among the companions approved to issue edicts. No one else had permission to issue edicts except for them. One historian writes regarding the Department of Inscription. He writes that in modern terminology, a scribe can be likened to a secretary in government, such as secretaries who take notes in meetings and relays them. And during Hazrat Abu Bakr Khilafat, although a system of administration had not yet been established, however, there were certain people assigned to write down executive orders, treaties and other things which required to be written down. Hazrat Abdullah bin Arkam had been assigned the duty of inscription from the time of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and he was also entrusted this duty during the era of Hazrat Abu Bakr And according to one narration, Hazrat Zaid bin Sabit tended to the department of inscription during the Khilafat of Hazrat Abu Bakr and there will be times when other companions who were present would take up this task, such as Hazrat Ali and Hazrat Usman radiallahu anhuma. Then with regards to the military department, it is written that during the era of Hazrat Abu Bakr, there was no official military establishment, and at the time for jihad, every Muslim was a soldier. The army would be split according to tribes, and every tribe had a separate leader, above which there was one office of Amirul Umara, i.e. leader of the leaders, which was formed by Hazrat Abu Bakr And in order to give out provisions for battle, Hazrat Abu Bakr had ensured that out of the various sources of income, he would take out a portion for the expenditure of military provisions. Through this, weapons and animals for conveyance would be bought. Furthermore, certain grazing grounds had been set aside for tending to the horses and camels used in jihad. One biographer writes that Hazrat Abu Bakr system for military governance was closer to the Bedouin custom that was prevalent among the Arab tribes even prior to the era of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. At the time, the Islamic government did not have an established army. Rather, each person would present themselves for military services. Whenever there was a declaration of war, the tribes would set out for war and head towards the enemy with their military provisions. They would not go to the headquarters for provisions or weapons, rather they would organize that themselves. And the Islamic government did not even pay them a salary, instead they deemed the spoils of war as recompense for their services. Four-fifths of the spoils of war obtained would be distributed amongst those who took part in the battle, and one-fifth would be sent to the Khalifa in the capital, which would be put in the treasury, i.e. Baitul Man. And the expenditure on smaller needs of the state would be fulfilled by the means of khums, i.e. one-fifth of the spoils of war. 
The instructions issued by Hazrat Abu Bakr regarding combat were relayed to the Amirul Umara and the commanders. With regards to Hazrat Abu Bakr it is written that he would issue instructions to the commanders and leaders going off for battle. Addressing Hazrat Usama's army, Hazrat Abu Bakr said that I advise you regarding ten matters. Do not act dishonestly, do not steal from the spoils of war, do not break a covenant, do not mutilate the corpses, and do not kill a small child, nor anyone elderly or the women, and do not cut any date palm trees nor burn them. And nor should you cut down any fruit-bearing tree, and do not slaughter any goat, cow or camel except for consumption. In other words, only slaughter them when needed, not at any other time. And you should pass some people who have dedicated themselves to the church. Thus leave them be and do not harm them in any way. In other words, the monks, etc. And you will pass by some people who present you food in different kinds of vessels. Thus recite the name of Allah and then eat from them. And you should also encounter some people who have shaved their hair on their head except for patches on four sides. So ensure that you see to them because they are the ones who have instigated war against the Muslims. Depart with the name of Allah. May Allah protect you from every injury and safeguard you from illness and the plague. Similarly, when Hazrat Abu Bakr sent Hazrat Yazid bin Abi Sufyan for the battle in Syria, he stated, and I've mentioned this in the previous sermons as well, and I will mention the summary of the key points, and every office bearer should bear this in mind. Hazrat Abu Bakr stated, that I have appointed you as the governor so that I may test you and train you by sending you to another place. And so, if you discharge your responsibilities in an excellent manner, then I shall appoint you once again for this task and enable you to excel further. However, if you show negligence, then I shall remove you from your office. Adhere to taqwa, i.e. righteousness, for Allah is aware of your inner conditions just as He is aware of your outer state. Amongst the people, those who are closest to Allah are those who do the greatest justice to their bond of friendship with Allah. And the person who is closest to Allah amongst the people is one who attains his nearness through his conduct. Hazrat Abu Bakr further stated that refrain from harboring malice, for Allah is most displeased by this act. He then further stated that treat your army well and in a kind manner. When you advise them, do so in a brief manner, for lengthy talks cause one to forget many things. And keep yourself reformed and people themselves will reform for you. In other words, if leaders and office bearers reform themselves, then people will also act in the correct manner. He further stated that offer your prayers at their prescribed time whilst performing all the ruku and sujood by bowing and prostration. The observance of prayer is extremely important. Hazrat Abu Bakr then further stated that when the enemy's representatives come to you, treat them with respect and dignity. However, let them only stay for a brief period of time so that they do not spend too much time. They should leave from your army quickly. They should not spend too much time amongst the soldiers. They should leave quickly. And this is so that they cannot gather any information about the army 
and do not inform them of your activities and give very little information. Hazrat Abu Bakr further stated, that Do not allow your people to speak to them and nor allow them to meet everyone. It should not be the case that the emissaries are able to roam freely and meet anyone they want. In fact, they should only speak to the relevant person and not be able to roam amongst the public. And when you speak to them, do not reveal your secrets. In other words, the person they meet should also be very cautious. And then with regards to seeking consultation, Hazrat Abu Bakr stated, Whenever you wish to seek advice, speak the truth and you will receive the correct advice. Inform them of all the details and then seek advice. Do not conceal your information from your advisors, otherwise you will incur loss owing to your own fault. With regards to an office bearer or commander gathering information about the events in the day and how to acquire this, Hazrat Abu Bakr stated that speak to your friends in the night, sit in the night and select a few people among them and speak to them and you will be able to gather a lot of information. You should often inspect their military posts without informing them from before. Supervision is also important and if you find any post unattended then you should admonish that person. He further stated, but do not be haste in giving out punishment, but neither become negligent of it. I.e. both aspects are important. One should neither be haste in giving punishment or issuing a verdict, and nor should one become completely neglectful and not say anything. And do not become neglectful of your army, and also do not humiliate them by spying upon them. In other words, do not spy on your own people, as this will cause them humiliation. And do not mention their confidential information to people. Whatever confidential information you receive about them should not be shared with anyone else. And do not sit with useless people, rather sit with those who are truthful and loyal. And do not show cowardice, otherwise people will also follow suit. And do not be dishonest in matters relating to the spoils of war, for such an act takes one closer to becoming dependent upon others and prevents one from victory and success. There are many points which I have not mentioned in this and as I said earlier that apart from military officers these are also important for our office bearers as well and they ought to be mindful of these. It is only then that our various tasks will be blessed. As I mentioned earlier, the reason why I am mentioning this summary again is so that our office bearers remember these. Then with regards to the division of the Islamic government into various regions, it is written that this was divided into various regions in the era of Hazrat Abu Bakr Khilafat, and he appointed leaders and governors for each region. Medina was the capital and Hazrat Abu Bakr resided there as the Khalifa. And with regards to the appointments of the governors, it is written that Hazrat Abu Bakr followed the practice of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him by appointing the governors for the region from among its pious and virtuous people. In the region of Taif and various other regions, he appointed its governors from amongst its own people. And whenever Hazrat Abu Bakr would appoint anyone as a governor, he would also officially declare their appointment in writing and would often outline the route as well of how to reach his respective area. And he would also mention the various areas which he would have to pass by. And he would do this particularly in the case where he would be appointing someone which had not been conquered and were not in the control of the Islamic Khilafat. This was quite evident during the conquests of Syria and Iraq 
and during the battles against the apostates. At times, Hazrat Abu Bakr would make various regions join with others, and this particularly happened after the battles against the apostates. For example, Kinda was placed under the authority of Hazrat Ziyad bin Labid, who was also the governor of Hadarmaut, and thus he governed both regions. During the era of Hazrat Abu Bakr, when the governors were appointed, the first aspect that was looked at as a criteria was their level of adherence to Islam. Moreover, whilst appointing the governors, preference was given to those who had enjoyed the company of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Thus, one criteria in this regard was that whosoever had been appointed for any task by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, Hazrat Abu Bakr would never make any change in that appointment. For example, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, appointed Hazrat Usama as the commander of the army. And after the demise of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, some people suggested to appoint a more senior companion for this role based on certain reasoning. However, Hazrat Abu Bakr kept Hazrat Usama as the commander. Another factor which Hazrat Abu Bakr took into consideration was those who had spent the most time in the company of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. This is why he mostly entrusted various responsibilities to those people who had accepted Islam prior to the conquest of Makkah. Hazrat Abu Bakr never gave preference to any particular tribe or relation in this regard. It is owing to this strong principle of his and high standard that the various governors and leaders appointed by Hazrat Abu Bakr would do their utmost to the best of their abilities in serving Islam and the Muslims. Whilst appointing the governors, Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq would also take into account the views of the local people as well. In this regard, Hazrat Allah bin Hazrami served as the governor of Bahrain during the lifetime of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and later, owing to reasons, he was sent elsewhere. Then, during the era of Hazrat Abu Bakr Radiallahu's Khilafat, the people of Bahrain requested Hazrat Abu Bakr if Hazrat Allah bin Hazrami could be sent to their area again, and so he reappointed him as the governor of Bahrain and sent him back there. Hazrat Abu Bakr also imparted guidance to the governors. In relation to this, it is written that at the time of appointing governors, Hazrat Abu Bakr would personally grant them guidance. In Tariqh al-Tabari, it is written that whilst advising Amr bin al-As and Walid bin Uqba, Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu stated, Instill the fear of God within you and in your actions. If one fears Allah, then he shall open avenues towards ease and provides him sustenance through means which one could not even imagine. Allah forgives the sins of those who fear him and grants them rewards in abundance. And among the advice which the servants of Allah impart to one another, the best advice is to instill the fear of Allah. You are embarking upon one of the paths of God. Thus, if you show negligence in any matter which grants strength to your faith and protects your government, then this will be a crime that cannot be forgiven. Therefore, there should not be any kind of slackness or negligence on your part. Hazrat Mastorid bin Shaddad relates that I heard the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, say that whoever is appointed as a governor, he should keep only one wife, and if he does not have a servant, then he can keep one servant, and if he does not have a house of his own to live in, then he should keep one house for himself. Mastorid further narrated that Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu stated that whoever takes anything besides this, they have acted with dishonesty and is a thief. 
Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala would also keep watch over every action of the various governors and leaders that had been appointed. Since these people had been in the blessed company of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, therefore, unlike Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala, Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala would overlook any minor error or mistake. Although he would keep a watch over them, but he would forgive their minor shortcomings. It is mentioned in Tariq at Tabari that Hazrat Abu Bakr would never place restrictions upon his governors, but if they ever were to commit a serious error, then he would indeed admonish them in the appropriate manner, regardless of the position they held. With regards to Hazrat Muhajir bin Umayyah, Hazrat Abu Bakr found out that he had removed the teeth of a woman who would insult the Muslims. Upon this, Hazrat Abu Bakr immediately wrote a letter admonishing Hazrat Muhajir. In fact, even if he heard of any error committed by Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, he would immediately admonish him. Then, with regards to the responsibilities of the leaders and governors, it is written that Hazrat Abu Bakr had assigned various responsibilities and duties to the governors who had been appointed in the various regions, cities and towns. These governors and their deputies were also assigned with responsibilities related to financial matters as well. They would take the zakat from the rich and affluent members of their areas and then distribute it amongst the poor members and they would take the jizya from the non-Muslims and send it to the treasury. This particular responsibilities of theirs had been established since the time of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Moreover, the treaties which had been established in the time of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, were renewed once again. And the governor of Najran renewed the treaty which had been established between the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and the people of Najran, and this was done because the Christians of Najran had asked for this. The governors would also play a significant role in providing religious teaching and propagating the message of Islam in their respective areas. Many of them would organize gatherings in the mosque and teach people Quran, the Islamic injunctions and etiquettes, and they did this in accordance to the practice of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. According to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu, this task was considered as their foremost responsibility. Hence, the governors appointed by Hazrat Abu Bakr fulfill this responsibility in an excellent manner. One historian writes with regards to Ziyad bin Labid, who had been appointed as a governor by Hazrat Abu Bakr over the region of Hazarmaut, that every morning Ziyad would come to teach the people the Qur'an, just as he would teach people the Qur'an prior to him being appointed as a governor. Similarly, through their efforts in training and educating the people, these governors played an important role in spreading and propagating the message of Islam. It was owing to this practice of theirs that Islam greatly strengthened in the areas which had been newly conquered and also those areas where people had become apostates and rebels. And those areas whose people had recently become Muslim and were unfamiliar with the Islamic injunctions greatly benefited by the muallims, i.e. teachers, who had been appointed from those regions which were considered as strong centers of Islam, for example Mecca, Taif and Medina. They would provide those people with education and training and this would all happen due to the instructions of their Khalifa and leader, or where he would particularly appoint these people in different areas for the purpose of providing them with education, and thus they would fulfill this duty. The governors appointed in the various regions were directly responsible for the administrative affairs of their area, and if he ever had to go on a travel, he would appoint his deputy who would oversee the administrative matters until he returned. An example of this is Hazrat Muhajir bin 
Abi Umayyah was appointed as the governor of Kinda by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And after the demise of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, Hazrat Abu Bakr kept him in his office. Due to his ill health, he was not able to go to Yemen, and so he remained in Medina and appointed Ziyad bin Labi to take charge until he was better and returned to Yemen. Hazrat Abu Bakr also approved of this decision. Similarly, in Iraq, Hazrat Khalid bin Walid would appoint his deputy until he would return to Hira. These accounts will continue to be narrated, inshallah, in the future sermons. Alhamdulillah, 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 ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله ونشهد أن محمدًا عبده ورسوله إباد الله رحمكم الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل واللسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء وَالْمُنْكَرِ وَالْبَغْلِ يَعِزُكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَذَكَّرُونَ أُذْكُرُوا اللَّهَ يَذْكُرْكُمْ وَدُوهُ يَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ وَلَذِكْرُ اللَّهِ أَكْبَرُ ما كان